0: So, Father, we love you so very much and thank you once again for your word today, Lord God. The praise, the worship, the utterance of, of people coming together, Lord God, and, and, and worshiping you. You said that you'd be in the midst of them. You would inhabit the praises of your people. So we know that you're here right now. We feel you. We believe you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, your anointing, your powerment, your endowment of power. Be upon your word as it's spoken today until we're not the same again, I pray. And we're encouraged to get up. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let me just say you can get back up no matter how hard you have fallen. When your your faith and your guts kick in, I'm talking about getting some courage now to do something about it, I promise you no matter how bad it's been, how much life has dealt you a a negative uh, situation or circumstance, you can and will get back up. Those that don't know, my wife and I, um, we... um, felt led to start a church way back in 1997, and we felt led to go to Madison, Wisconsin to do it. And so we were, from, we were originally from Rockford. My folks and uh, my um, uh, parents, uh, my, my wife and I and my sister, we started the church in Beloit in 1989. And so we are there for many years, and then we felt released to go start a work in Madison. We drove there many times, so we kind of fell in love with the area. So we decided that's what God put in our hearts to do. We knew we were called to start a church. So we went and we started this church. And long story short, actually it's a pretty short story, but it felt like a very long story. We were there for 18 months, felt like 18 years. And the reason why is because we just weren't getting the fruit and the results uh, that we wanted. How many of you ever felt like you've heard God to do something and you believe it was the Lord and you stepped out out to do it and I mean nothing worked. It just felt like everything kept being nothing but a struggle or felt like you are going backwards and not forwards and that's how we were. We started this church we had a handful of people, started with just a couple people and by about uh, maybe a year or so into it we had about 15 or 20 people coming and I'm not downplaying that if somebody else is doing that but I felt like there was something more in, in our lives than that. We were very young, very naive in ministry but I felt like there was more destiny than that. I felt like something wasn't right, like like as if um, God's hand wasn't on it. I'm, I was confused because I knew He called me to do it, but yet I didn't feel like His hand was honest to perform it, to actually make it to come come to pass. And so um, I was frustrated. I was angry. I I, I was uh, I felt I felt uh, embarrassed because I couldn't get this thing to grow uh we had left a a very a great church that we were part of growing and and it seemed like everything we did was um was it worked um i'm not saying everything was perfect but it was like god blessed it and he just breathed on it and if i started something it would just begin to work and i felt like that that's what was going to happen in madison and none of those things that i was really good at what i felt good at worked it felt like it was the very opposite and um and so it was a struggle. It was hard. It was getting up, doing something every day that, you know, that it's like, God, where are you? What's going on? And I got real frustrated, and I got in the flesh a few times. How many of you ever got in the flesh a couple of times? How many of you got more in the flesh than just a couple of times? I mean, just maybe more than three, four, five. I think we all have, right? And so I was upset, and my, our good friends, our best friends, were leaving to go to Florida. They'd asked us to come. We said no originally, and then I felt like, let's go. Let's just go. So we made a literally a, a, a moment's decision to go. We left the next day and we went to Florida for a week. And my whole objective was just to get away. Had somebody take the church for about a week, and then um, to go pray. And so I'll never forget. I was in a, we had a van at the time. We drove down there, and um, and my family was sleeping. We we're on some highway going from one park back to uh, one of the theme parks back to our hotel. And so it was a long drive. Everybody was sleeping, and um, I began to pray. And as I was praying, I felt the presence of the Lord come in that van. And I, I, know, I know his presence, and I love his presence because it's so sweet. And I hadn't felt it in a while. I, just, I was so frustrated. And um, he came in that van, and I just knew. I mean, you know, when God comes in, it's so sweet. And I knew God's going to talk to me, and I was ready to hear what God had to say. And so I'm in the van, and and um, and all of a sudden, I hear this voice of the Lord, and it was a little different than I thought. The Lord spoke to me and He said, You are a double-minded man. I was waiting to hear, I I feel so bad for you, son. I know it's been a tough time for you. I want you to know I love you so very much. And anything your little heart desires, I'm going to give it to you from here on out. No. He tells me, you are, I don't know how he talks to you, but that's how he talked to me. You are a double-minded man, and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he can receive anything from me. He said, quit being double-minded and go do what I tell you to do. Now, he was trying to teach me something. You don't have to have a feeling. You don't have to have emotion. All you have to do is have the word of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something. I kind of kid around about it, but I was just happy to hear his voice. Because I don't care if it's a rebuke or not. As long as I hear his voice, we're still good. Come on, we're still good. And so... I went back and I tried to make a go of it, and we did, and we grew. We actually doubled the church, and so we were big time. We were 30 people now, hallelujah! And we were going for it, and um, and I never forget it. And so the Lord, um, I preached this message, and to my surprise, he came to me in the most unique way. After I preached on a Sunday morning, I went to go put my stuff away, and God came to me and specifically told me to come to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He said, this is not what I have for you, but I have something else for you, and that was in 1998 and 1999, May of 1999, 20 years this month, we came and started this church. Come on, and we've never looked back, and God's hand has been on it. And so I'm just here to tell you is that one of the things you've got to learn to do is make up your mind. When God says something, no matter how difficult it may be, just know he said it. Go for it. And if he wants to make adjustments, he'll make the adjustments in your life. Don't be double-minded when it comes to God's word. Now, I want to give you some keys this morning of how to get back up and how to stay up. I was in a low place in my life. And I had to go back to the word of God to get back up into a high place in my life. Thank God on Memorial Day weekend, come on, when most people are vacationing, you came to the house of God, come on somebody, to get a prophetic word, to get back up or to stay up. Number one key is this, first key, your words matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, your words matter. Oh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Who told you that? Words are cutting. Words are forming. Words can cause destiny to happen or can cause failure to happen. Things that were said over you when you were a little kid that weren't of God, that were immoral over your life, you're still at 55 years of age dealing with the same words. Yes, words have power. Words have authority. And words can give direction. Look what it says in James 3, verse 4. Look at also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So get the picture of your life like a ship. And below the surface that nobody can see is a rudder. But the rudder is actually what's guiding the ship in the direction that the rudder goes into. He said your tongue is like a rudder. Nobody else can see it, but you can hear it. But maybe else you might not say it out public, but things you say in private still has power and gives directions to your life he said the tongue, he said the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. But guess who can? The Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost lives in you. Come on. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men and have been made, which have been made in the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so be. So he's talking about the power of your words, the things that you say. They matter. It's a key principle of your life. Even when you say, I'm just saying it behind closed doors, nobody else knows. But you hear it yourself. And it's giving guidance to your life. And the Bible says not only that, but your tongue is so powerful that you can bless with it or you can curse with it. Why don't we start blessing our lives? Why don't you, instead of cursing your kids out, come on, somebody, why don't you bless your kids out and tell them that they're going to do well in life, that God's got his hand upon them, that everything they touch is going to turn to gold. Why don't we start blessing our family, blessing our marriages, blessing the school we go to, blessing the job that we go, Come on. So many good churches in this city could be so much better, but sometimes the parishioners that sit in the pew can't say nothing nice about the church they attend. Why don't we start blessing the church we attend, rather than cursing the one we attend? Amen. Church, we get when we when the Bible talks about the fact that God, when He wanted to create the world, what did He do? He spoke, and God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke into existence the very thing he wanted to happen. And we, the Bible says, have been made in his image. The word image means to function like him. You're not him, you're not God, but we're like him. He's our father, he's our father, and we're like him. So when we come into problems or situations, or up against circumstances. When he was up against darkness, and the Bible says darkness is on the face of the deep, he didn't say, oh me, oh my, what am I gonna do here? He didn't freak out and go, man, I really made a mess here. No, he didn't do any of that. He used his words to speak life into the situation. So in darkness, he said, light be. He spoke to it what it, it was his desired end. The same with you and I. If that's like him, that should be like you and me. God wants us to speak like he speaks. And we live in such a world today that is so negative. Negative, negative, negative. It's like the first thing people are, are negative. Trolls, y'all know what that means? That's what people have become today. And all they want to say is what's wrong with the world. Talking, to, talking about how bad things are. But the Bible doesn't tell us to talk about the mountain. The Bible says to talk to the mountain. Speak to the mountain where you want to go. I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout. Y'all relaxed. Y'all thinking about potato salads. Amen. Me too. Hallelujah. You've heard the story before, but I won't tell it for the sake of those that have not heard it. And it gets better every time I tell it. Hallelujah. Here we go. But this is true. This is a true story. My wife, uh, and I, I wasn't serving God. She was serving the Lord. She was getting really strong and good teaching. And she was learning this message right here about the power of prayer. And the power of our words that when we pray, I just preached this on Thursday night. You can pick it up if you're not here on Thursday. You can pick up the message for free online. And I preached about the name of, what is is in a name? Well, his name is Jesus. And he said, you can ask the Father in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. That's the power of prayer and how important your words are. What are you asking the Father? What are you speaking in your situation? She was learning all that stuff. And at the time, we were, um, had tickets to go to a show in downtown Chicago at the Palmer House. And, uh, we were just kids. We were young. in very early 20s. And, um, and so uh, we were excited to go, and we left. And it was back in the day before you had cell phones and all that other good stuff, right? I didn't, we didn't have a credit card either. But we went. And um, my car was acting up, like, we were almost there, and it started acting up. And I noticed that it was overheating. So we get in uh, to the parking uh, structure, the parking garage, and it overheats. And the guy's frustrated because everybody's trying to get in. Here we are. We're overheating. You know, you're embarrassed, all that stuff. And so... um, he says, pull the car over here. Pull the car over here. So I pulled it over there. He said, just leave it there. Well, he thought I was going to come just go get what I need to get, get, fix it, and get out. Well, I didn't. I misunderstood what he meant. So we go into the show. So we go into the show, and I can't even enjoy it because, you know, I'm I'm what am I gonna do? My car's acting up. And here I am all the way in Chicago. We lived in Rockford at the time. So we're about an hour and 30, hour and 40 minutes away. So um, so I couldn't enjoy it. So during the intermission, I said, we gotta go. So we picked up, we left. The guy sees me, hey, you got to get your car out of here. I said, yeah, I know. So he gives me the keys. I get the key, I get the the uh, car started, starts up. I pull out. I go, go to the like a little side road there that's the street. Park it, get out, pop the, the, the hood, look and see what's going on. I noticed the fan wasn't working. an was electric fan was not keeping it cool. So I opened the radiator and look. at the, you know took the cap off, looked inside, and I could see all the way to the bottom of the radiator, how many knows you're not supposed to be able to see all the way to the bottom of the radiator? There's something called something green in there called antifreeze, right? There was none of it. I literally could see to the very bottom. It was just a little moist where it used to be. Praise God, completely empty. And so here we are. I'm we're stranded. This guy ain't gonna help me. He wasn't. Gonna, he didn't want to help me at all. I got nowhere to go. I don't know where I'm at. And um, you know we don't have a cell phone. So. Um, I said, I'm thinking, what are we going to do here? And so my wife said, well, I know what we're going to do. Now, you have to remember, I'm a heathen. I'm not serving God. She's fired up for Jesus, right? Two different things going on here. So she goes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab hands and we're going to pray. And we're going to speak a word on this car is going to obey us and we're going to get home just fine and safe. I said, woman, you don't understand. Let me teach you some mechanics here. There's no antifreeze inside that radiator. We're not going to go but two blocks, and we that's it. car's not going to go any further. She goes, oh, yes, it is. We're going to declare it in the name of Jesus, and we're going to speak, it, and it's going to happen because I've been studying with the word. I'm thinking, lady, what's wrong with you, girl? This is, I mean, I, again, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get her to understand something. She goes, just grab my hand. So I thought, well, you know, I'll grab her hand. So I grabbed her hands right there, people passing us by the street. She grabs my hands. She goes, Here, we're going to pray. Now say this after me. I said, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, the name of Jesus, we declare over this car, and she's having me pray this prayer over the car and over our situation. Now, I'm not, I have no faith. I don't believe the prayer. It ain't going to work, and my mind this is stupid. I'm trying to appease her while I'm thinking about how to get out of this. And she goes, now, start the car, and let's go. I'm like, oh, my God, this woman. And she said, and every time we see a stoplight or a stop sign or we get somewhere, she goes, we're gonna give God some thanks and some glory for it. I said, Oh my God. She goes, start the car. I said, okay, you'll see. So I started the car. Boom, started right up. Okay. Now we're going, right? And so we're about, I don't know, a few blocks down. We hit the first stoplight. She goes, All right, and I'll say thank you, Jesus. I said, I ain't saying thank you, Jesus. I ain't gonna do it. She says, say thank you, I'm not doing. It. You have to say thank you, Jesus. We gotta praise him for already being done. I said, Thank you, Jesus. You're good. Now we get a little bit further, about a mile down the road, and then stop sign. She goes, I'll say, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. She goes, all right, good. Now we get about another couple miles. She said, now say, thank you, thank you, Father. I said, thank you, Father. Now we're about 10 miles out of the city. And now she says, say hallelujah. I'm going, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm getting kind of excited now. I'm like, what's going on here? I said, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show her something here. I'm gonna downshift this sucker it's a little four-speed. I'm gonna downshift this thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna punch it, and I'm gonna see what it can do. And I mean, guys, I'm on I ninety heading towards Rockford. And I mean, I'm downshifting that baby, and I'm wow, and I'm redline. I'm going the RPM meters going to the. Beaters, going to the I'm redline, and, they, whoa, whoa. and I'm, I mean, I'm just trying anything I can do, right? And I mean, that thing, guy, I'm passing car. I'm zipping around. That thing had never. That car wasn't even designed to drive this good. It was like a Porsche 911. Come on, y'all. I'm not kidding you. It was, am I telling the truth? We were flying. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, this is unbelievable. We get all the way to the other side of Rockford, park it in our little house, our little shotgun house with the, with the, with the uh, long driveway and the garage at the end of the driveway, and we park it right at the front, and, and I get out. I go, I can't believe this. We made it. I, this is unbelievable. She's laughing, and she made me say thank you, Jesus, the whole way. The whole way. So now we get out of the car and she goes, um, and Jeff, she goes, you know, it's going to snow tomorrow. They said, so you might want to park the car uh, by the garage so that's it's not in the way we, we want to shovel. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I jump in the car. She's in the house. I jump in the car. Boom, started right up. And I, I drove it to the, about 50 feet to, all the way to the end of the driveway. And when I got to the end of the driveway, the car went poof, and completely overheated. I noticed that when she was in the car, it didn't overheat. But when the heathen was in the car, come on, somebody. And the fact that it could have anything to overheat with, there was nothing left in it. Guys, I'm, and I wasn't serving God, but I had to go. Something is up with that. There's power in this. Let me make the statement. Words are creative forces that bring into existence that which never existed before. That's why you're supposed to pray. It's not telling God how bad your day is, and you can do that. That's a start. That's okay. You can talk to him like your friend. But it's not about that. It's more than that. When I pray, I want to declare what God's word says about my situation. I want to pray what God's will is for the situation. I want to pray something positive. What do I want to see? This is not, when you start getting a place where, when you start saying, Lord, this is not my life, then something's wrong with what's going on in your world, your life. Then start speaking what's supposed to be in your life. It's like we've been taught the other way. we got to talk how bad it is thinking that something's going to change out of that. Nothing ever does change out of that because that's not God's best for us. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He's talking about Abraham here. In the presence of him whom he believed. Watch this. Here's the principle. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So he being our father, the New Testament says, to imitate God as dear children. So what what does God do? He calls life into dead things, come on, and he calls those things that do not exist as though they did. In other words, the way God speaks is on on another level. And the way you see successful people speak in this world, they speak differently than everybody else. They see their desired outcome, and they speak what they want to happen. And then their life, because their tongue is like a rudder, their life begins to shift into that direction. Now, you tell me Holy Ghost-filled people can't get prayer, it results out of prayer? Are you kidding me? Of course we can. Of course we can. With God on our side, we're not talking about just natural things here. And when you want to get back up, when you've been knocked down, when you want to move into your destiny, you've got to establish new order in your life and in your environment. In other words... You have to declare order in the chaos. Speak order in the chaos. Job twenty-two twenty-eight, 28, and you shall decree or declare a thing. You'll speak a thing. Now, your thing is not my thing. My thing is not your thing, but it's a thing. And it's important to you. You shall declare a thing, and it will be established for you. The word established means cause to be recognized And accepted, and to be set into a secure position, which cannot be knocked out. So when you declare those things by faith, God says, I'll establish it. So that what? So light will shine on your ways. I'm tired of the darkness in this world, the darkness in our lives. God doesn't want to live like that, in confusion. Now watch this, Job 22, 29. When they cast you down, knock you down. Watch this. You say, exaltation will Come. That right there will preach by itself. So I'm not to talk about how bad they did. Here they go again, knocking me down. I can never get ahead. One step forward, two steps back. Everybody's always on my case. I can't never, nobody ever gives me a chance. I don't have any opportunity. That's nonsense. When they knock you down, your declaring, your declaration, your tongue should be saying, My promotion's coming though. My exaltation's coming. I'm about to get my breakthrough. Come on, y'all. I'm going to have my healing. I'm gonna, My marriage will be put back together again. And then he'll save the humble person. He will even deliver one who is not innocent. Yes, he'll be delivered by the purity of your hands. That is God's best for our lives. Number two, moving along. The second key is to live expectant. To live expectant. It's only when you're expectant that you will find doors of opportunity. Which lets me know that when I'm not expecting things to change... Doors of opportunity do not avail themselves to me. But when I expect change, when I believe that something's about to happen in my life, that's when God begins to send certain people in my life. That's when somebody gives me a phone call. That's when my life begins to shift in the proper direction. Psalm 62.5, my soul, he said, wait silently for God, or expectantly is what that word means, uh, for God alone. For my expectation is from him psalms 130 verse 5 i wait or expect for the lord my soul is an expectancy and in his word i do hope everybody say hope the word of god brings life the word of god brings hope hope is the word expectancy same thing it's what i'm hoping for i don't have it yet But I'm expecting it to, I hope that it's going to happen. I've got hope. and The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Stick with me. I only have a few more minutes to preach. Hope deferred, when it doesn't happen, when you don't have hope, it makes the heart sick. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth shall speak. And whatever you say will come to pass. So if my heart is sick, come on, somebody, it's because I don't have hope. If I don't have hope, I've got a heart that's sick. And when i got a heart that's sick, my mouth will say the wrong thing. But when I've got expectancy, when I'm believing God for something impossible to change, when I know that God is about to change it, even in the midnight hour, now my heart is filled up. Come on, church. And now I speak the right things. And now my life is on the right course and direction. Come on. Amen. And when you know, you know when you don't have hope, the devil will come and take advantage of that. You'll open all kinds of doors through your negative mouth, come on, in all your situations, and it will steal the fight right out of you. You won't have a will to fight. Church, you have to remember, especially when you're down, God is always working good things out in your favor, even when you don't see it. you got to trust him when you can't trace him. I said you got to trust him when you can't trace him you got to know that he's working it out. How many can be honest and say, you know, I was complaining, I was upset, I was hurt, God didn't come through for me, and then a month later it all happened for you, and you thought, my God, I had no idea that he was already working on somebody's heart to do this for me. I didn't even know. When are we going to start learning that God's got our back, even though we can't hear it or see it? We just have to wait expectantly, knowing that it's coming, it's on its way, God's going to do it. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many things work together for good? All things. For those who what? Love God. If you love God, just trust him. It's all going to work out. No matter how negative it is, it's going to work out. I don't have time to get into it, but we lost everything in this ministry, and it was a terrible season for this church many years ago, and it was a tough time for us, and it looked like it was the end of days. I mean, it really did, but I had expectancy. Something in my heart said, don't you dare let go. It's just a bump in the road. Hang on. Something better is about to happen. We had no idea. We owed $2.2 million in this church, but at the end of all that nonsense, we end up only $1 million. God took $1.2 million off. of Come on, somebody. That's worth shouting about. He's working it all out for your good. Abraham was a man of expectancy. He had no children, but he was promised a son. All he could do was hope and one day it all came to pass just as God said. Expectancy always looks forward, church. It's always looking forward. It never looks back. You cannot look in the rear of your mirror and out the windshield at the same time. You're going to have to choose where your focus is going to be. Is it going to be on all the laurels of yesterday? or is it going to be is it going to be on the journey for tomorrow? Where's your life going? Because you can't go backwards anyways. And expectancy says, I'm no longer looking at river mirror, I'm going for God. I'm going for gospel with everything I've got. My focus is you, God. Do you know that most people go back? And do you know why they always go back? Because they know how. It's simple just to go ahead and trace the steps that you used to be in. It's more difficult to walk in faith and say, Lord, I gotta trust you because I don't even know where I'm heading yet. I'm just trusting you for the next step. But the rewards are so significant. Jesus said, any man looking back is not fit for the kingdom. So why do we look back? Keep your eyes. Keep your focus on your desired destination. And then learn to nurture your expectancy. Learn to nurture new possibilities that all things are possible in God. Jesus asked his disciples when they looked at the field and it was barren. And they said, what do you see? They said, we see a field. And he said, some say four months, then comes the harvest. He said, but I say to you, look again. Lift up your eyes again and see that it's already white for harvest. In other words, as long as you've got the seed in the ground, you've got to promise. The harvest is on its way. you got to see it. That leads me to my third key, and I'm almost done. Third key is to see or visualize your future. Visualize your future. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the word of God, as I'm preaching today, you can feel faith begin to explode in people's hearts. It is possible. This isn't as bad as it seems. That's a lie of the enemy. I got to trust God even when I can't trust. You feel feel it rising. Why? The word becomes a lamp to your feet. It gives light. Now you know where you're going. Amen, somebody. Um, I want to say this to you. Abraham, when God told Abraham, Father Abraham, and he said, you're going to have a son in your old age. That was hard for him at 100 years old old to believe, his wife being 90. How is this possible? It's impossible. It's not possible. Well, with, with man, it's impossible, the Bible says. But with God, all things are possible. The word becomes a lamp. So he has to see it. He has to have a vision. It's required. Without vision, the Bible says, people cast off restraint. So God takes him by the beach one morning and says, hey, Abraham, can you tell me how many sand are here at the seashore? He said, I cannot. He said, it's innumerable. He said, so shall your descendants be. They're going to be like your children. At night, he takes him for a walk, stargazing. He says, hey, Abraham, tell me how many stars in the sky. He said, I cannot, for they're innumerable. He said, so shall your descendants be. You're going to become a father of multitude, a father of nations. Why did God do that? Cause it's the principle. If he can't see it, he can't have it. So every time, every time his wife, come on y'all, every time his wife says, "Sorry, honey, I'm not pregnant this month. It didn't happen." Sorry, I'm not pregnant this month. It didn't happen. Every time, but he woke up in the morning with walking with God on that beach, and he saw that sand and put his toes in that sand. He said, "But I see these shall be my descendants." And at night, when he took a walk with God, he looked at the stars and said, "You're the creator of all these things, and I cannot count them. But you told me so shall my descendants be." I will trust you even when I can't trace you. What's he doing? He's visualizing his future. Very difficult to lay claim to something God tells you if you can't see it. I'm not talking about the natural part of it. I'm talking about the supernatural part of it. I want to preach that hard, but I don't have time. The fourth key, and finally, is this. The fourth key is to stay open to wise counsel. You were not created to live alone making decisions all by yourself. Learn from those who have fallen a few times and know how to get back up. In other words, find a mentor, somebody who can speak into your life. I'm gonna tell you what I have done in my life. I don't have people. If if a mentor is not willing to show me his scars, I won't follow him. If you tell me all the good that's happened in your life, thank God that everything's been good for you, but I don't trust you because I know it's already a lie. What went wrong? I want to know what went wrong. I want to know when you felt hard. I want to know when it wasn't all right. And then I want to know how you got out of that situation because I happen to be in one, and I don't trust somebody who's always had good things going for them because you won't be able to relate with me. <laughs> I'm probably telling myself too much but I think you appreciate that about me because I'm, I'm not Jesus. I don't stand up here, but I, I want to represent him the best way I know how. But I got some scars, but you got to find some people that's got some scars that it will tell you the truth. Not afraid. Risk your friendship over it to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And some of y'all got all kinds of friends. You know why you got so many of them Friends. Because you like to go from one to the next to the next until they tell you what you want to hear. But that one friend, he loves you so much, he'll tell you what you, or she'll tell you what you need to hear so that you'll get up, back up, get where you're supposed to be. A true mentor has a few scars on them, but they have a relationship with God that has healed them from them all. Let me say this too. Not everyone is qualified to speak into your life. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Just because they have a Bible and a TV ministry does not qualify them to tell you how to live your life. And they may be perfectly fine for somebody else, but not for you. And in this day and age, when there's so much going on on the internet, it will confuse you. As a who's telling the truth, quit that. The Bible says you have a lot of instructors, but you have not many fathers. I'm talking about that kind of fatherly or motherly mentor that can speak and say, this is what I see. And I know you might not want to hear it, but this is what I feel God is saying. I got a few friends like that. But I tell you what, I got friends like that too that we don't have a friendship like like we don't go hang out, we don't have pizza together, but I love them and I know them and I have seen their ministry and I like the way they handle themselves and I've gotten their I gotten their uh, their their books or I've gotten their I, I said this morning, I gotten their tape series. I'm like, who listens to a tape series anymore? Uh, kids, that's something we used to have is plastic and it had like little th- things you don't want to know. Anyways, but download, come on, you know, uh, files, whatever. And so and I've learned so much, from even though we don't go hang out. I'm not talking about a bestie. I'm talking about somebody that will speak the word that makes what's inside of you go, yes, that's what I need to hear. Jethro mentored Moses. Moses mentored Joshua and all the elders of Israel. Joshua mentored all uh, the other remaining uh, leaders of the of his army. Eli mentored Samuel. Samuel mentored Saul and David. Uh, Nathan the prophet also was mentored by David. Uh, David uh, uh, became um, Israel's greatest king. David mentored his army commanders and and government officials to establish the united nation of Israel. David also mentored Solomon. Solomon mentored the queen of Sheba. Uh, Elijah mentored Elisha. Elisha mentored the king uh, Joash and others. Daniel mentored Nebuchadnezzar who humbled himself before God. Mordecai mentored Esther. Esther mentored King Atasuerus, which led to the liberation of God's people. Priscilla and Aquila mentored Apollos, And uh, Also, uh, Jesus mentored the 12 apostles who established the Christian church. The apostles mentored hundreds of other leaders, including Paul. Paul mentored Titus and Timothy and many others. Timothy mentored faithful men, such as Epaphras. Epaphras and the other faithful men mentored others also, which led to a chain reaction that resulted in dozens of new churches in Asia. Ultimately, the specific mentoring chain is the beginning point of our churches today, all through mentorship. Yes, a part of the key to getting back up on your feet are getting people, voices, correct voices in your life to help you get to where you need to go. Somebody say a big amen. Come on.